Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Yves Godon. Uh, he's a researcher over in France. There are many French words and uh, that, that describe his degrees and his university. And instead of me butchering it, I'd, I'd rather have him pronounce it. So, Eve, thank you for coming. Thank you. Yeah, would you just give a, a brief background on uh, you know where you're working right now, and, and let's talk about your research. Yeah, in fact, I'm working for the CNRS, which is the, the National Center for Scientific Research in France. We are a few thousand, thirty thousand, I think working in this kind of institution. Uh, so I'm a virologist and I'm working on the viral family, which is the rhabdovirus family. The two best studied viruses of this family are rabies virus, for of course, uh, obvious reasons, because it's still killing a lot of people. And VSV, which is vesicular stomatitis virus, uh, which has always been an excellent laboratory model. We are dealing with the, the entry mechanism, how the virus is recognizing its receptor, how it penetrates the cell by a membrane-membrane fusion event, and also how, it, how uh, in the case of rabies virus, how, how it installs its uh, viral factory. And we have characterized the, the nature, the physical chemical nature of the factory by showing its it's, uh, it's formed by liquid-liquid phase separation. And in fact, we are also dealing with the interaction between this viral factory and the innate immune system, all what, you know, the pathway to, to the synthesis of interferon and also uh, then uh, how the, the interferon-stimulated uh, genes, the product of those genes, interact with those, those factories and with the viral cycle. This is more or less what we are doing. Okay. In our team, we well, are about ten persons. Okay. Well, let's start with the uh, the rhabdoviruses. You said rabies is one of them. Yeah. So, okay, are the rhabdoviruses giant viruses, or what's like what's unique and interesting about them at first glance? Well, in fact, they have always been good model for RNA viruses. You know, they, they belong to a large order of viruses which are made by uh, of which the genome is an RNA molecule a single strand RNA molecule, and they are called, they, 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 they are the mononegavirales because this uh, RNA molecule is of negative polarity. In fact, it is uh, the opposite sense of the RNA messenger, so that when the virus is releasing the genome in the cytoplasm of the cell, it, it has to be transcribed into RNA messenger by a polymerase, which is brought by the virus. This is an activity which does not exist in the in the cell, and so that's that's uh, that's a huge order of viruses in which there are the measles virus, mumps virus, Ebola is also belonging to to this order, and there are several families, and the rhabdovirus are one of this family. When you say it brings along this ability, is it just part of the uh, the base pairs of the RNA strand, or is there a separate? Um 
you know, is there a separate chemical or molecule that does this uh, yeah. transcription? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, the, in the viral particle, there is the genome. And inside the viral particle, there is also a polymerase, the polymerase, which is an RNA polymerase, RNA dependent, RNA dependent RNA polymerase, which makes RNA from an RNA template. And this activity, of course, does not exist in the cell. And the, when the, the, the genome is released into the cell, immediately this polymerase, which is brought by the virus, is acting on the genome to make RNA messengers, messenger RNA, sorry, uh, which have the same properties as the cellular messenger RNAs. So that, you know, the translation machinery of the cell, which is synthesizing the protein, is hijacked uh, by uh, the RNA messengers, which have been synthesized by uh, this uh, RNA polymerase. And in fact, this is common to rabies virus, of course, all the rhabdovirus, but also Ebola virus, which is from another family, you know, the filovirus. There is also, uh, there are also the paramyxoviruses, such as uh, measles, mumps, also Nipah virus, which is a very, very dangerous uh, virus for humans. So there are several viruses which are causing uh, deadly disease, which are also in disorder and share the same, the same mode of replication as rabies virus. But also rabies virus, of course, is still killing 60,000, about 60,000 people each year around the world. Of course, it's much less than the SARS-CoV-2, but it's still significant because it's, it's every year. Well, okay. So um, the polymerase that gets released once the, uh, the rhabdovirus enters the cell, it acts on the host's material or does it act on the uh, the viral particle material the rna so it, it acts first on the viral rna the genomic rna the genome rna which is a, an rna molecule and, and it is immediately transcribed into into rnas that are complementary that, uh, that are complementary to the genome and these new RNA molecules, which are transcribed from the genome using the viral polymerase, are the viral messenger RNAs, which then hijacked translation machinery of the cell. Also, without the polymerase, the uh, the RNA from the rhabdovirus would just be inert inside the cell. Exactly, exactly. You need the polymerase to be in inside the incoming virion. The incoming virus needs this polymerase. If not, there is no, in, uh, no infectious cycle. And of course, before, and that's the, the, the thing that we are working on, for the virus, there is a necessity to release this genome. And this is made by the glycoprotein, which constitute finally the spikes, the spikes of, the, of rabies virus, but, but of other rhabdoviruses, just as the spike of SARS-CoV-2, in fact. And it is as the spike of SARS-CoV-2 able to, to recognize a receptor first, and then to fuse the viral membrane with a cellular membrane. And then this fusion event allows, uh, there is then a continuity between the inner of the virion and the cytoplasm after the fusion event, and the genome, together with the polymerase, are released uh, in the cytoplasm of the cell for the subsequent step of infection. Okay, gotcha. So is the whole uh, capsid endocytosed once the membrane fusion happens or just yeah. the RNA and the polymerase yeah. so if we summarize, first, the glycoprotein, which constitutes a spike all around the virion, recognize a receptor. There are several receptors at the surface of neuronal cell, uh, cells, 
for rabies virus. Then virion attached the cell. And then this triggers an, endocyte, uh, an endocytosis event. And the virus enters the cell through the endocytic pathway. But there are still the viral membrane and the, the, the membrane of the endocytic vesicle around the virus. So to release the genome, you, you, you need this fusion event between the viral membrane and the membrane of the, of the endosome. And then, of course, you induce a continuity between the cytoplasm and the inner of the, the, the virus, and then the genome is released into the cytoplasm. And this is triggered, this fusion is triggered for rabies virus and for other rhabdoviruses by the acidification of the endocytic pathway. In fact, in a normal cell, there are proton pumps which acidifies the inner of the endosome. And this um, acidification event is hijacked also by the virus to trigger a conformational change of the spike uh, of the glycoprotein, which was previously involved in the receptor recognition. But then uh, this spike, upon acidification of its environment, is able to trigger the fusion of the, of the, membrane, of the viral membrane with the, the, yeah, the endosomal one. And this is very classical, same phenomenon for influenza virus, same phenomenon for, for, for several viruses, which hijacks the endocytic pathway to enter their host cell. It's a bit different for SARS-CoV-2, but there are several similarities anyway. So uh, let's talk about rabies a little bit. How does, how does rabies work? The virus enters the cells and does it lice them or does it, uh, like what action does it take in the human body to cause sickness? Well, you know, the first event when you get rabies is that, is that in, in general, is that you are bitten by an animal, which is, for example, a rabid dog. Then uh, the, the virus finds its way. Maybe there are some suspicions that it is able to, to, to have some cycles in muscle cells, but in general, it finds a nerve terminus. And then uh, the virus is able to enter the, into the, the neuron. And then it, it will be transported all along the axon of the neuron and uh, by successive uh, infection of neurons, it will reach the nervous system. And then once the rabies virus is in the central nervous system, then this is finished. Issue of the disease is always the death. This is a, a terrible disease, in fact. By chance, you can vaccinate after the bite of the rabbit dog, because the virus is, co is, is coming slowly from site of the bite to the brain. But once the virus has reached the brain, this is finished. There is no, no other issue than the death. But if you've been vaccinated early, you may block this progression of the virus toward the brain. And, and it is not clear why people are dying from rabies virus. Of course, the, the neuronal, several neuronal cells are not then are not functioning correctly. They, they have some defects, but there is no mass, massive death of neurons. This is probably linked to bad functioning of some uh, some neurons which are unable to, to 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 behave normally. What we see very often is uh, extreme agitation of the the patient. 
and you see also some this is um, people are extremely aggressive so you may have uh, some uh, symptoms of very very strong aggressivity of the person who has been contaminated by rabies virus once uh, the virus is has reached the brain but also sometimes you observe uh, paralysis uh, people uh, cannot move and of course This is always the end of rabies virus. At one, at one point, there is a paralysis which install and, uh, and then you, you just cannot uh, breathe and then you die, of course. That's terrible. Have there been any advances in rabies treatment you know, over the years? Well, is there really any treatment for it or no? Well, there is no other treatment for the moment than the vaccine. And of course, you are not going to, vac to, to vaccinate everybody to give the vaccine to everybody because... In fact, in most of the countries, there is no more rabies. Uh, the rabies disease has disappeared. For example, in, in Europe, there is no more uh, rabies uh, disease except for people who may have spent uh, holidays, for example, in, in Africa or in Asia and have played with animals. This is something people often forgot. Uh, when you are in some countries, you don't play with animals. You don't play with dogs. You don't play with wild cats. You don't play with, of course, with wild animals. Uh, you just let them away. And this is, this is a, a, good, a good behavior to leave those, those animals away because... They may be some uh, virus and then they can transmit it to humans. This is also the case probably with uh, some coronaviruses, but in any case, rabies viruses. So, in fact, when you've been bitten, the only way is to, if the, the, the animal is proved to have rabies disease, uh, then the only way is to be vaccinated. That's uh, very fast, very fast, immediately. And you have also therotherapy. Um, you, you, you are, uh, there is an injection of antibodies which are directed against uh, the virus just to try to block the progression of the disease. And if you can block the, the, the progression of the disease, this virus is not entering your, 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 center, your central nervous system, then it's okay, you will survive. But if it, despite treatment, it reaches the, the virus is, is reaching the, the, the brain, then there is no other issue than death. So this is a terrible, terrible disease. But there is no molecule because it's, it's a bit like, you know, for any virus, and we are experiencing this for coronavirus, we need specific molecules. And this is a lot of money to, which needs to be invested. And in fact, with rabies virus, to, be, to, to speak frankly, and this, this is a fact, this is not a, a, this, maybe this is not an ethical point of view, but there is no market. There is no market, and you know, rabies virus is, is always in poor countries in general. There is no money. So certainly for the pharmaceutical industry, there is no market for rabies virus. Now there is a market for coronavirus. Probably uh, someone who is getting an efficient drug against coronavirus, this is interesting. But for rabies virus, there is no market. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. So why is there no treatment? How come uh, not enough has, appears to have been learned in order to treat rabies after all this time? So you mean why there is no treatment against viruses in general? Yeah. Or? yeah. Well, I mean, viruses in general, but especially rabies. Why? I mean, can we identify the polymerase, maybe block it? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's got to be know, some treatment. Yeah, 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 I understand. So, uh, well, of course, the polymerase is known. The structure of the polymerase is known as well as the structure of coronavirus and a lot of viruses. But first, um, 
well, it's easy to find some molecule which blocks the virus, uh, you know, in cell culture or when, you are make, when we are making experiments. But in general, those molecules do not work well when you go into an animal and, or into a human being. Of course, knowing the structure of the protein gives a rational basis to, to imagine molecules that can block because all these for example, polymerase, you can think about a molecular automat, huh? and then you can try to block this molecular automat. But in practice, it's not that easy. And you've heard certainly about the remdesivir, for example, uh, which was a molecule uh, which was thought to have a panviral uh, activity uh, against RNA viruses, but it seems that this molecule is not really, really efficient, uh, neither for the coronavirus, nor for Ebola, nor for probably a rabies virus. Of course, this may be tried, but in fact, if, you, if, we, if we think about the, the AIDS, you know, all the molecules that we have against uh, HIV have been specifically designed against HIV. And you have to spend time for that. And once again, and it's a lot of investment for a few, you, you, you make, you know, for some molecules that you identify in a screen in cell culture. Only a few of them will go to an interesting compound. And then it's again a lot of, of tests. And for several hundreds molecules that are analyzed, just one or a few will get on the market. So I understand that uh, it's very complicated for, this, for, for HIV. Of course, there was a market and in, in rich countries for the more. So, but it's very difficult. It's a lot of work. It's, uh, for rabies virus, it will take certainly some time. Maybe things will change with this pandemic of coronavirus. Maybe uh, people will understand that it's interesting to have specific molecules against viral families, so maybe against rhabdoviruses, against filoviruses like Ebola, against coronaviruses, against flaviviruses like dengue virus or, or Zika, but my mentality have, have to change first. So it's a lot of work. It's not that easy. It's a lot of investment with a lot of disappointment with some molecules. Well, so in addition to, um, well, we spoke about rhabdoviruses a bit. You mentioned a uh, they have this uh, RNA polymerase, but what about uh, Ebola and the filoviruses and some of the other ones? Do they have any interesting or unique mechanisms that help coordinate their, uh, their activity inside cells? Well, in fact, all the viruses from uh, the mononegaviralis order, so Ebola, they have, they have a, a, a very, very similar polymerase. So, so, of course, it's not exactly the same, and the active site may be slightly different, but they have the same activity. And uh, the polymerase uh, is able to synthesize, of course, an RNA molecule using an RNA template as a model. They can also uh, uh, add some specificities to the RNA they are synthesizing, which makes uh, this, uh, the, the, the RNA that they synthesize the, the, which makes those RNA looking like messenger RNAs. So once again, allowing uh, the virus to hijack the, the, the ribosome, the translation machinery uh, of the cell. They, they, they have all these uh, same kind of activities. So this, this is, uh, there are some similarities. And also their mode of replication is very similar. 
in terms of for, for rabies virus, Ebola, uh, mumps, mumps virus, measles virus, come through the same stages to replicate their genomes. So there is a lot of similarity. What we learn from one is very useful uh, for the other. Particularly when we have demonstrated that for rabies, that rabies virus was able to form viral factories uh, having liquid properties, and we can we can come back to to what we mean by this uh, word liquid. So uh, we we demonstrated that for rabies virus, but it was also then demonstrated for measles virus. And also, there are several data which indicate that it's the same for Ebola, for respiratory syncytial virus, you know, the virus which is causing bronchiolitis. There are a lot of similarities. They interact with the cell in a very, very similar uh, mode. What does it mean, they have liquid-like properties? So, well, you, you, liquid properties. So which, what, what's interesting with that is that they're... Um, the, the, the viral factory, when I say viral factory, this is the place in the cell where the virus is synthesizing the RNA, the, the, the messenger RNA, but also the genomic RNAs, because at one stage, uh, the, the virus is going to copy its genome to make new genomes. And it's the same polymerase uh, which we've talked about, which is doing the job to, to synthesize new genomes and to amplify the infection by making new genomes, which assemble and make new variants. But then, in fact, uh, this, um, this occurs in a compartment. And this compartment is just like oil in water, you know? This compartment in the cytoplasm, it's just like oil in water. When you put oil in water, you form a spherical droplet of oil, which an oil is unable to mix with the water. There is what we call a liquid-liquid phase separation. We separate, it, we separate to liquid. And it's exactly the same. The liquid factories, the liquid factories of those viruses um, is unable to mix with the cytoplasm. So somehow the virus inside the cell is keeping its identity. You know, there is this debate about uh, viruses about are they living organisms? And there are several facts which indicate that viruses are not living organisms. They do not have metabolism. They are unable to synthesize their own proteins. They use the machinery of the cell, etc. But there was also this idea that the virus is perfectly identified outside the cell. You know, this is the viral particle, the that you see uh, in electron microscopy that people, people have seen a lot of coronaviruses as viral particles outside the cell. But once the virus is inside the cell, once the genome is released inside the cell, there is this idea that the virus is losing its identity. Its genome is mixed in the notion... In a, in a, it's like a virus cell. It becomes yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, yeah it's, it's mixed with the, the content of the cell. But in fact... This is not the case. The virus is able to keep its identity. It is making viral factory. And this viral factory, just as oil is not mixing with water, this viral factory is not mixing with the rest of the cell. This is the viral compartment. This is the place where the viral identity is inside the cell. Of course, it can exchange some material, but this is based on the, the properties of this material, and he has selected, so he, and is able to select the molecule he needs 
just to build new variants, in fact. But of course, the cell is also fighting in, against infection. And you may imagine that uh, cells have developed strategies to right. disrupt this factory. And I think this is a, a next step in virology to identify all those proteins, all those, all those cellular proteins which may act, which may act against this viral factory. Has there ever been a case observed where a cell is infected with a virus and the virus leaves and the cell goes back to normal without infection? Oh, yes. You mean, uh, so, uh, yeah, of course, uh, there is a possibility for the cell to eliminate the infection at early stage, even for, the, for any cells, because, you know, there is all this interference signaling, you know, and some cells, when you have an infection, immediately when the cells are infected, they produce interferon. And in fact, they this interferon is circulating in your body and is uh, preventing also the other cells to be infected. Because once they have been in contact with interferon, there are some pathways inside the cell which indicate to the cell that they need to synthesize some molecules uh, which have antiviral activity. And of course, if a cell has already all the weapons ready against the virus, when the virus is arriving, the virus will be disrupted and, uh, or the genome will be disrupted or there will be some blockage at some stage uh, of the infection. And so that the virus will not be able to, to, to have a productive infection. And the cell may survive, of course, in this case, because it, the cell is ready to fight. When a, a virus takes up shop inside of a cell and it, it creates what you call viral factories, how much of the cell's uh, energy and machinery is dedicated to making more virions versus, um, you know, running metabolic processes? Yeah. So if you take, um, well, this may depend on the cell. And of course, this may depend on the virus and on the nature of the viral factory. For example, for a virus we've already talked about, which is vesicular stomatitis virus, which is the causing of rabies virus, it is known that when the virus is entering the cell, it is able to block all the synthesis, all the transcription of the cell. The cell is unable to transcribe its own messenger RNAs. So at one point, there will be only messenger, viral messenger RNAs. There is a really a hijack of the, the, the host machinery, just there is uh, the, the, the cellular transcription is blocked, is stopped. There is also some similar data, for example, for the coronavirus. Huh, for the coronavirus, is blocking the translation of the cellular messenger RNA. So they are synthesized, but they are no more translated into proteins. So uh, it will, this will depend. Of course, the virus needs also some. Uh, some cellular proteins. So there are some kind of, you know, uh, balance uh, between uh, what you absolutely need to block and what you want, uh, what the virus needs to block and what it's, it, it is keeping, you know, it is keeping functional. So uh, there is a balance and this may depend from the virus to another. But in general, the virus is trying to block all the innate immune response because, as I told you, this is a way for the cell to fight the infection. And it is also trying to hijack all the translation machinery because it needs the translation machinery to make new viral particles. And then, of course, 
it is also known that uh, all the in the, the cellular energy you know the, this um, exchange money which is the atp is also uh, is also produced by the cell for the virus the virus is really it's it's a it's a very strong parasite it is using all what the cells is offering to him interesting what do you think could be intervened in terms of the viral factory at that stage you know what could be done that would cause the uh, the viral factory to slow down or stop or you know throw a wrench into the works yeah i understand so clearly uh, let's say uh, three or four years ago no one was aware that uh, these factories uh, had liquid properties so this is really a, a change of paradigm and we may imagine first that we may find some small molecules which destabilize you know if you have a, if you put oil in water and then you put detergent and then the oily droplet is mixing with the water thanks to the detergent of course it's not the same kind of interaction in fact in in oil in water it's hydrophobic interaction which is keeping now the, uh, the, the oily droplet is, is disrupted by the detergent and the base of the interaction between oil molecules is the hydrophobic interaction in the case of the, the viral factory it's another kind of interaction so detergent will not be useful for that but we may find some molecules which have properties to to disrupt weak interactions between the viral proteins, which are keeping the, the, the homogeneity of the viral factory. We may find somebody. And in fact, also, you know that all those RNA viruses are inducing fever. And you know, this phase transition, this liquid-liquid uh, this phase separation are highly sensitive to temperature. And it's possible that uh, increase of temperature when, when, we, when we have fever may destabilize, may slightly destabilize all these factories. And fever might have been a kind of evolution of our organism to destabilize all those uh, liquid structures that are formed during viral infection. That's, that's one possibility. But of course, this opens new pathways for, for research. And, and also, the subtle interaction between these viral factories and all the proteins that are involved innate immunity also opens some new areas of research which may lead to new treatment against those viruses. So why is it important to look at the dynamic of hydrophobic and hydrophilic interactions? What will that tell you? To keep the structure of these uh, spherical uh, factories, you need weak interactions. You need weak interactions between uh, viral molecules. So we have identified some of the proteins which are involved in those weak interactions, but you, the, the basis, the molecular basis of this interaction is still unknown. So we need to go to, and it's difficult to investigate that inside the cell. So what a lot of people are trying, not only this, with this kind of liquid viral factories, but all novel organelles in the cell which have liquid properties, people are trying to identify those forces, those weak interactions between the components, and for that, in fact, they want to reconstitute the system into a test tube. And then the best one of the best tools to investigate those interactions is NMR, nuclear magnetic resonance. So this is, this is a, the, the traditional approach. So you can, you can have an idea of because an, an NMR can identify 
the, these weak interactions. That's, that's a, a possibility. But also, there are a lot of other approaches which are currently developed to go further in the understanding of the molecular basis of these weak forces between uh, proteins, but not only proteins, but also RNA molecules, because all those structures also contain RNA molecules. And uh, yes, this is, this is something uh, very intriguing. And also, there are several questions uh, around uh, this subject, because at one stage, the variants, which have just been synthesized, they have to leave this viral factory. How do they leave this factory? How do they go away? How do they? Because um, somehow they are happy in this structure. They have good affinities for this structure. So there are a lot of questions. And also, the understanding of the weak forces uh, may help to understand why some cellular proteins can be sequestered inside the factory. And uh, they, are, they are there because the virus is needing, those, is needing those proteins. And some others are completely excluded. They cannot enter the factory. And uh, so here again, there are some principles, some molecular principles that we need to understand if we want to go further in this domain. Very good. Eve, what's the best way for people to find out more about your work? Where can they go? I think the, the, the article that we've published in Nature Communications in 2017, which is uh, accessible to everybody, to everybody, so this is, this is good, about those viral factories. There are a lot of movies showing the dynamics of those structures inside the cell. And there are, I think there are, there are very, it's very spectacular to see that once a virus is entering the cell, it makes a lot of things. And in fact, we have built recombinant viruses with a fluorescent protein so that we can follow all uh, the movements of the factories. And you will see that the factories are, are very, very round, very spherical. And uh, this, this is due to the fact that they are formed by liquid-liquid phase separation. And you will see also some of those factories coming into close contact and fusing together to make a bigger one. And you will see also that Upon encountering an obstacle, they reversively de develop, showing that indeed they are made of, uh, they, they are liquid and not solid or gel-like uh, uh, structures. So the, the, the article uh, published in Nature Communications and the movie are available because Nature Communication is a, is an open uh, an open journal and everybody can can see the movies, which are, I think is very spectacular. Oh, nice. Yeah. So last thing, I just want to repeat this. So you said that um, instead of gel-like structures, they're actually liquid-like structures? Yeah. How can you tell? I mean, is it just by microscopy you can tell the okay. nature of the structures, or how could you tell? There are several experiments which are key. First, as I told you, when two viral factories went into close contact, they fuse together and relax toward a spherical structure. And... If you have two droplets, two, two droplets of oil into water, they will, they will do the same. So this is an argument to say that this is a liquid structure. And of course, what we know that there is no membrane around. So it's uh, because if, if there are some membranes around, you may imagine that the membranes are fusing together. But this is, there is no membrane. We have looked in electron microscopy. There is no membrane around those structures. What we see also is that, as I told you, they can reversibly de deform. So when there is an obstacle, and the obstacle inside the cell is, for example, a molecular motor, which is pulling a vesicle, and 
in one of the movie, you can see, you will see a spherical object, which is a vesicle, which is probably pulled by a molecular motor, which is crossing the viral factory, and the viral factory is deformed and reformed after the passage of the vehicle. And what we can also uh, see is that those structures are extremely sensitive to the physico-chemical environment. And there is also a movie where we have performed a hypotonic shock. So we put the cells into a, a low, a, a medium with the lower salt concentration. And then what you see, of course, the cells have a tendency to, to, to swell, but immediately the structures disappear. That, that's just, just immediate, which is, of course, not possible with a gel or with a solid. It is, this is just a matter of, uh, of seconds. And then when the cell is able to recover its uh, normal homeostasy, then you see the viral factories which reappear inside the cytoplasm. And finally, we've used an experimental approach, which is called fluorescence recovery after photobleaching, FRAP. The abbreviation is FRAP. And in fact, we use once again those fluorescent viruses with fluorescent proteins. And then we burn a, a small volume inside the, the viral factory, and we see that very, very, so, so the, when we burn the proteins, it is no more fluorescent. And of course, this protein is progressively exchanging with the other molecule, and you see that quite fast, the, the, you recover the initial fluorescence level. In fact, we, we, we burn the whole factory, and then what we see is that there is an exchange with some proteins which remain outside uh, the factories and, and they, go, they go very fast inside. If it was uh, solid, that, then probably the exchange would have been much slower. And sometimes uh, if it was a solid, there even might have been no, uh, no recovery of fluorescence. So this is a, a technical approach. But the fusion of uh, vesicles, their ability to deform, their sensitivity to the physico-chemical environment, all the, and, and their spherical aspects, are good arguments in favor of their liquid properties. But when you see the movies, you have very, very little doubt about that. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I can't go see regular movies right now, so I might as well watch virus movies. to be some, at least something to watch, you know. Yeah. Well, very and, good. Well, Eve, thank you, uh, thank you for coming on the uh, podcast. I really appreciate it. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.